Ezekiel 8, 2. It says again in the, in the same book, And above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne, and as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness as the appearance of a man above upon it. It says, And I saw as the color of amber, as the appearance of what? Fire round about within it, from the appearance of his loins even upward, and from the appearance of his loins even downward, I saw as it were the appearance of fire, and it had brightness round about it. Heaven is a city of fire. His head and his hairs, this is the book of Revelation speaking of Jesus Christ. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his what? Eyes were like a flame of fire. Revelation 1 and verse 14. There are the seven spirits of God, the Bible speaks about, that are, that are as a fire. The Bible says, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of what? Fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Revelation 4 and verse 5. The Bible tells us that God's throne is... How many of you begin to see that heaven is a city of fire? All right, very good. God's throne is a fire. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the what? Fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire, according to Daniel 7 and verse 9. There are living creatures around the throne that the Bible says are like fire. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of... Fire, and like the appearance of lamps, it went up and down the living creatures, and the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightnings. Ezekiel 1, verse 13. The Bible lets us know that there are chariots and horses of fire. Notice in the book of, I believe it's 2 Kings. It says, And it came to pass, as they went on, this is the story of Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah has told uh, his, his, his counterpart, as it were, Elisha, listen, a chariot or I'm going to be taken up to heaven this day. And this is how the Bible records it. It came to pass, as they went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. And parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up, went up by a whirlwind into heaven. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. In another incident with Elisha, it says Elisha prayed, and now he's praying for his servant, who, uh, this other gentleman's servant who is with Elisha, and he's praying, open his eyes that he may see. And in 2 Kings 6.17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha, 2 Kings 6.17. So, we now come to the question, why is heaven a city of fire? How many of you enjoy fire? How many of you enjoy being burned? All right. As humans, we like fire, but from a what? Are at a distance. I want you to notice why the city of heaven is a city of fire. We're going to find the key in, in, uh, in the book of Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Why does God manifest himself as fire? And why has he chosen to have so many fiery things in his city? Well, Song of Solomon tells us, set me as a seal upon thine heart, as a seal upon thine arm, for love is strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave, the coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench, what? Love, neither can the floods drown it. Why does God manifest himself as fire? Is it to scare us to death? It's because he is what? He is love. Have any of you ever had a fire burn in your heart for someone? Husbands, you better raise your hands. <coughs> okay, that fire, you know, it wasn't, it, well, actually in, in, for you it wasn't real fire, but you felt this burning in your heart. Amen? 
And when God describes himself as fire and, and has his whole city, all these fiery excuse me, places in the city, his throne is fire. Uh, uh, his angels are fire. His, uh, his chariots are fire. Uh, all these different things are fire. What the Bible is telling us, beloved, is that heaven is a city of passionate love. Amen. Now, there is also in heaven something that was called a fiery law. And we find that in Deuteronomy when the Bible says, then, then he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them, talking about the children of Israel. He shined forth from Mount Paran and he came with ten thousands of saints. Now that word there, saints, does not mean people. It means angels. So the Lord came to Mount Sinai with these ten thousands of angels. And it says from his right hand went a what? Fiery law for them. What law is he talking about? The law of the Ten Commandments. Beloved, could you try to take a while this and tell me, why would the Bible call the Ten Commandment law a fiery law? It is the law of self-sacrificing love. It was this fiery law that was in heaven that symbolized what heaven was all about. Now, we know that the Ten Commandments itself were not in heaven because it was summed up in one word, which was what? Love. As we stated before, the Ten Commandments is righteousness for who? Dummies, there you go. You guys forget that so easily. <laughs> See how easily we forget? The Ten Commandments was righteousness for dummies. God had to write it out and say, look, this is what righteousness is. So here you have this fiery law that had its origin in heaven, in the city of fire, under the throne of fire, with a God who sat upon that throne who was a, a, a fire. His son, fire. Heaven was a city of fire. God's fire, beloved, equals his fiery what? Love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, God is what? Love. Amen. Now, how many of you remember the stones of fire? We've been reading about that quite often, the stones of fire. This is the place upon which Lucifer once walked. The Bible says, thou art the anointed cherub or angel that covereth. What was he covering? The Ark of the Covenant, which was in heaven, the, the law of God, as it were. He was the covering angel. He stood in the very presence of the fiery love of God. It says, you are on the, you are the chariot that covered, and I have set thee so. You are upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Ezekiel 20 14. What would, what would that mean? Satan or Lucifer walked in the very passion of God's love. Beloved, God loved Lucifer. God had showered his love upon Lucifer. There was nothing that Lucifer could have wanted more. God had given him everything, as much as he could, without making him another what? Another God. So Lucifer had walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He knew what love was all about. He was a being that was created in love. And he walked up and down in the midst of these stones. And then we read, By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast what? Sinned. What did Lucifer do in sinning? He broke the code of what? Code of fire. What is the code of fire? What, am I, what do I mean when I say the code of fire? The code of love. Okay, get that point. Lucifer broke the law of God, the fiery law or the code of fire. And the Bible goes on to say, because you have done this, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God and I will do what? Destroy the old covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire, Ezekiel 28, 16. So Lucifer, because he had now rebelled against the entire principle of the city of heaven or the city of fire, was himself cast out of the city of heaven. 
Lucifer's rebellion against the fiery law removed him from the city of fire. Beloved, if that's true, and it is, what is it that gets us into the city of fire? Keeping the what? The fiery law. Is that legalism? Oh, you're keeping the law of self-sacrificing love. That's so legalistic. No, beloved, far from it. Far from it. Listen, thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquity. And remember we saw the sanctuary was the very place of God's throne. Satan in rebelling against the code of fire, the city of fire, the law of fire, was actually rebelling against the heavenly sanctuary. And it says, because he had done this, therefore will I bring forth a what? A fire from the midst of thee. It shall do what? Devour thee, and I will bring thee to what? Ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Verse 18. Now, two questions here. I hope I can remember these two questions. Number one, what is the change where it says here, it shall devour thee? What is the change? Do you, do you notice a change here in Lucifer standing before and his standing now? Did the fire have any effect on Lucifer when he was in line with the fiery law of God? No effect at all. He could walk him down in the midst of the fire and nothing happened to him. But after he went against the fiery law of God, he was put out of heaven. And now we're told that when the fire touches him again, what's it going to do this time? Does that make sense? It's going to devour him. Now, if you had no other verses in the Bible and you had this one verse, which is the first sentence given to Satan, what would you say would be the final fate of Satan? He's going to be what? Tortured or burned? Or tortured or destroyed? Totally or partly? Totally. He's going to be brought to what? Ashes. This is the very first sentence given to Satan. It shall devour thee. When he sinned and went against the fiery law of heaven, his standing towards fire changed. All right. Did Adam and Eve break the law of fire? Yes, they did. Satan comes now. Mind you, when this, our God, who is a consuming fire, created Adam and Eve... And God would come and visit them in the garden. That same God, we have just discovered, it was a what? Consuming fire. Did Adam and Eve run away from God every time they saw him? <clears throat> Did they go, oh no, here comes the fire, better run. No. But after they sinned, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat, Genesis 3, 6. After they sinned, what was their relation now to God? That's right. Now, when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife did what? Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden, Genesis 3, 8. Why did they hide themselves? You can tell me that now. Because they were now fearful of what? Of fire. Beloved, humanity, when God created mankind, they were, they were at first used to the presence of God, that, that glowing, beautiful, fiery, passionate love that he, that he appeared, and they were used to it. But after sin came in, all of a sudden, mankind now became fearful of God, and rightly so, because our God is a consuming fire. The relationship between humanity and God had now changed, and God recognized that. Little quiz. Immortal sinners plus living in the city of fire equals what? Immortal. What does immortal mean? Not subject to death. So immortal sinners plus living in the city of fire, what does that equal? Eternal suffering. Eternal torment. Now the question is, did God say when Adam and Eve sinned, okay, yeah, now this is good, we're, we're going to torment you forever. Listen to what the Bible says. 
First of all, yeah, you're right. Listen to what it says here. So he drove out the man and placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life, lest he, that is Adam, or Eve, put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and what? Live forever. Genesis 3, 24 and 22. Why did God do this? He didn't want them to... He didn't want them to be immortal what? Sinners. Why? Because the Bible says God is love. God is love. He did not want them to live forever as immortal sinners because, beloved, that would mean that they would be tortured how long? Forever. And so for their own sake, he puts up this flaming sword, sword of love, to prevent Adam and Eve from taking of the tree of life and eating forever. Once they could not partake of the tree of life, what did it mean? They were now subject to what? To death. They would eventually die. Now, I want to fast forward a little bit. And how many of you remember the story of Moses and the burning bush? All right? Story of Moses and the burning bush. God is about to introduce himself to Moses. And the Bible says here, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, excuse me, out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush, what? Burned with fire, and the bush was not, what? Consumed. Exodus 3, 2. Now, beloved, you may not even see this at first, but guess what? The entire gospel plan is found in that burning bush. God's love, God's desire for us, beloved, is found in that burning bush. Why do I say that? The goal of the gospel is to prepare people to live again in the where? City of fire. I shouldn't say live again because they were never there in the first place. But the goal of the gospel is to prepare people to be able to enter into the city of fire where you can give God a hug, right? And not get what? Singed in the process. I tried to give God a hug. What happened to you? I tried to give God a hug and got too close. No, that burning bush was God's ideal for humanity. Notice Revelation 15 and verse 2. The Bible says there, in the, very, in, in the kingdom of heaven, John says, and I saw as it were, this is at the end of time, after Jesus comes again, I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with what? Fire. And then that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. Do what, everyone? Standing on the sea of glass, which happened to be mingled with what? With fire. Having the hearts of God, Revelation 15, 2. Beloved, how many of you would like to be able to stand in fire? I know you're hesitant to raise your hand on that. We are just so used to the way things are in this world, but we'll see why in a moment. Beloved, the fire of heaven is like earth's air. You know, it's like taking a fish out of water. Fish go, man, who could ever live in air? I don't want to be there. Likewise, you would say, who can ever live in water? We can't breathe water. Well, beloved, heaven's fire is like earth's atmosphere. I mean, it's not like, you know, you're walking in this fire all over the place, but beloved, it's a city of fire. God himself is a consuming fire. And the goal of the gospel is to bring us back into the, is to bring us into the city of God. And the way that we get there is by keeping the fiery law of God where? Here. Amen. Notice again, and this is all. This has to be the most, now I'll tell you now, this will be the most powerful verse of the night because it puts into perspective a total deception that the devil has out there. Watch what the Bible says here. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? 
Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? So the question here is being asked, who are the ones that are going to burn forever? Who are the ones that are going to be able to dwell with everlasting burnings and with the devouring fire? And your first reaction, your first response would be who? The wicked. The wicked are the ones that are going to do what? Burn forever. The wicked are the ones that are going to be in everlasting burnings. But beloved, lo and behold, look at what the Bible says. He that walketh what? Righteously? Hold on. (laughs) Must be the wrong verse, right? No, beloved. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he shall dwell on high. In other words, the Bible tells us here that the ones who dwell with everlasting burnings are not the wicked, but the who? The righteous. And what the devil has done is he has reversed this equation and said, no, no, no. It's the wicked that are going to burn forever. That's what the devil's saying. And so tonight's subject, beloved, is dealing on the subject of hellfire. And you wonder, how can you be happy preaching about hellfire? But beloved, we're going to see today that Satan has twisted it totally around and made the character of God very, very much like his own character. Let me ask you a question. If you had no clue or no knowledge of anything, I said to you, there are two gods. One is good, one is evil. One burns the, one, bur- one desires to burn people forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the other knows that justice must be served and what he's going to do is, going to, is he's going to bring them to ashes. Which one of those would you think would represent the character of Satan? Honestly speaking now. The, the, the God who would burn the person for ever and ever and ever, and they're passing out, and he's saying, no, wake up, eternity has only begun. Splash water on him and say, come on, we're not over yet. Now, I want you to notice this, beloved, because the Bible really gives us some illustrations. How many of you remember the story of the three Hebrews bowing down or refusing to bow down before the, uh, the image? The Bible says here, after King Nebuchadnezzar, this is found in Daniel chapter 3, after King Nebuchadnezzar said, guys, bow down, they said, we're not going to do it because we're serving God, we're going to keep the fiery law of love, we're not going to bow down to a graven image, and Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, well, we're going to cast you then into the what? Fire. What Nebuchadnezzar didn't know was that because they were keeping the fiery law of love, amen? So he says, all right, guys, throw him into the fire. He throws him into the fire. And then he says, he answered and said, lo, I see four men. Now, how many did they throw in? Three. But he says, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire and they have no what? Hurt. Beloved, the city of heaven is a place of fire where as you and I walk up and down in the glory of God, we will have no what? No hurt. And the form of the fourth is like who? The son of God. He was with them in the fire. And it says the princes, the governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no what? Power. Nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed. Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Daniel 3.27. Beloved. Heaven is a place where you're not going to be walking around going, you must have just been there, Jesus. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to be a place of a perfect atmosphere for us. We're going to be able to walk up to Jesus and walk hand in hand with him and not be burned. We'll be able to stand on the sea of glass and not be burned, beloved. How many of you would like to, how many of you want to burn? Oh, you're kind of hesitant on that one. I don't know about that one. Beloved, you'll see why I ask that question soon. The Bible says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the what? Fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Isaiah 43, 2. Beloved, this text will have its ultimate fulfillment in where? In the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now, notice, the righteous are immortal. Why? Because they have access to the what? Tree of life. But this immortality is not received until when? 
The second coming, we learned that last night. So the, immor- the, the righteous become immortal at the second coming when this mortal puts on immortality, according to 1 Corinthians 15. And the reason they are now immortal and will be able to live forever is because they have access to the tree of life as found in Revelation 22. So being that they are immortal and also indestructible, why? Because they can dwell with the what? Devouring fire without being consumed or turned to ashes. The reason why, beloved, is because they kept the what? Fiery law of love. Self-sacrificing love. Let's look at the fate of the wicked now. Remember last, last night we learned from David that he understood the end of the wicked when he went into the sanctuary. Remember he was writing and he was saying, the wicked prosper, everything goes good for them, this was too much for me because I'm trying to do good, and they're not, and it seems that they're prospering. Then he says, then I understood their end when I went into the what? Sanctuary of God. Then did I understand their end. Psalm 73, 17. What is the fate of the wicked according to the sanctuary? Well, two verses in the sanctuary that let us know. In Leviticus 4, 19, it says there, and he, that is the priest, was to take all his fat of the sacrifice from him and do what with it? Burn it upon the altar. There's another place. It says, even the whole bullock shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the what? Ashes are poured out. What, what, what were those ashes from? The sacrifices. <coughs> and burn him on the wood with fire where the ashes are poured out. He shall be burned. What is the fate of the wicked according to these verses? Well, the Bible tells us, but the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of the land. They shall consume into what? Smoke shall they consume away, according to Psalm 37, verse 20. So the sanctuary tells us that while the righteous will be able to dwell in the everlasting city of fire, the wicked are what? Consumed into ashes. Now, beloved, believe it or not, that is from a merciful God. And we're going to see why in a moment, because the concept that, the, that God is going to burn a sinner forever and ever and ever. You know, I was a cookie thief. I love to steal cookies. And I just couldn't help myself, and I couldn't break the habit, and stealing is stealing. But the concept that God is going to burn a cookie thief for all eternity, would you call that justice? I mean, think about it. We have Saddam Hussein in jail, and, and if someone, if he were to be kicked around in jail, what would happen? There would be an outcry of what? Injustice. He, our prison, the prisoner is not being treated what? Fairly. Beloved, God must be more fair than any court system we have. So how can God burn a cookie thief for all eternity? It doesn't add up. Let's see what else the Bible has to say on it. The wicked are what? Mortal. They have no access to the tree of life. That's why they're mortal. Mortal means subject to what? Subject to death. They are destructible. Why? Because they cannot last in the fire, whereas the righteous can Why? Because they broke or refused to keep the fiery law of love. Therefore, when it was time to enter into the city of fire, they could not do it. Do the wicked burn forever? Beloved, I'm going to tell you up front that the answer is an emphatic no. They do not. Three reasons. Number one is that the wages of sin is what? Death, according to Romans 6.23. Number two, the wicked are not immortal. And reason number three is that eternal torture breaks the very principle of the fiery law of Love. Let's look at those reasons. Number one, the ways of sin is what? Death. Now, quiz time. Question number one. Did Jesus pay the full penalty for our sins? Are you sure on that? Absolutely. Very good. You're right on that. Question number two. What would happen if he did not pay the full price of sin? We wouldn't be here. We would all be what? Lost. We would all be lost. Did Jesus get a discount? What do you think? Yes or no? 
No. Now, what I'm about to say is, is very important, beloved. If you hear nothing else, hear this. If the doctrine of an eternal burning hellfire is true, then all of us are lost. If the doctrine of eternal burning hellfire is true, then all of us are lost. Here's a final question. What is the penalty of sin? Is it death or eternal torment? Now, some of you would have said before, the wages of sin is what? Eternal torment. But beloved, if that's true, did Jesus suffer eternal torment or did he suffer death? Death. Jesus is not being eternally tormented now. Eternal means how long? Forever. He's not being eternally tormented, which means that Jesus, whatever he paid, it was not what? Eternal torment. It was death. And as the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. So, if the wages of sin is eternal torment, eternal life in hellfire, that's really what it is. If that's, if that's what the wages of sin is, then Jesus did not pay the wages of sin, and you and I are lost. If an eternal burning hellfire is true, then in order for you and I to be saved, Jesus must be where right now? In hell, still paying the penalty. And beloved, can you pay? Would you ever, can you ever stop paying the penalty for eternal torment? No, but we say Jesus paid. Past what? Past tense. That means that it was a price that he paid. It is finished. And as far as I know, Jesus was only dead for three days. And three days is way different from eternity. Does that make sense? All right. Very good. All right. Ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. Excellent on the quiz. Now, number two, the wicked are not immortal. That's the second reason. Remember the Bible says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has what? Eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3.15. If this is true, that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him, you know, if I said I'm going to eat forever, that would mean that I have to what? Live forever. If the wicked are going to burn forever, it must mean that the wicked would have to possess eternal life. Does that make sense? And if the wicked possess eternal life, then they could burn forever. But we're told here that the wicked do not possess what? Eternal life. Therefore, it is impossible for them to burn forever. That's just logical, beloved. He that has the Son has what? Life, and he that has not the Son of God does not have life. First John 5, 12. So do the, wicked have, do the wicked who reject the Son of God, do they have eternal life? No. We learned yesterday that eternal life comes only through who? Jesus Christ, and we are not naturally immortal. This is why the devil came in with that immortality of the soul teaching, because through immortality of the soul, then we can catapult that straight into, well, if you're immortal, you're naturally going to burn how long? Forever if you're wicked. And how many people have been turned away from God? If that's what you call a God of love, then guess what? I'm not interested. If my son, who I know was killed, you know, in some unlawful activity, and I know he's going to be lost, you know, whatever, but if, if my son is burning right now, if he is in, and, 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 and this is going on, I mean, do you know how many people have just literally almost gone mad thinking, my son is in hell right now, being tormented to death. And I'm supposed to say, I love Jesus. And I'm supposed to sing, God is love. All because, beloved, the devil wants to put his own character on who? On God. The gift of God is what? Eternal life. Eternal life is a gift given to who? The righteous, not the wicked. And so the wicked can't burn forever because they don't live forever. Remember the, the dictionary definition of death is what? The cessation of life. We also saw that death is not the cessation of life as we know it. In other words, you can't say, well, death is 
You were living this way, but now you're living in a worse state. That wouldn't be what? That wouldn't be death. If a person is still alive in hellfire, and they live on through hellfire, they're not what? Dead. What did we learn yesterday? Is Jesus dead? No. Is Ronald Reagan dead? Yes. What's the difference? One has no thinking capacity at all. The other one is alive and well. Likewise, beloved, if people are alive in hellfire and being burned in hellfire forever and ever and ever, the sentence of death is never carried out. It should read, the wages of sin is eternal torment, not what? Not death. But it doesn't say that. It says the wages of sin is death. Death, death does not mean life in a new or altered or worse form. Some of you may think, man, it's hell since I married my new... You know, that is not what hell is, beloved. It's just an altered state. <laughs> it's just an altered state of life. You know? And, 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 and God is trying to tell us, listen, hell or death means the total cessation of life. Amen? Amen. Third, the principle of the fiery law is totally broken by the concept of an eternal uh, hellfire, eternal burning hell. Listen to what the Bible says here. For the Lord shall rise up as in Mount Perizim. He shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his what? Strange work, and bring to pass his act, his strange act. Isaiah 20, 21. The strange act he's talking about, beloved, is the final act of the destruction of the wicked. Why do you think God calls it his strange act? Because he is a God of what? Love. And it is strange even to him to have to wipe out those who have rejected him forever and ever. Listen to what the Bible says here. And this may come to, to some of you as a surprise. Well, let's read this first. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is what? With me to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation twenty-two twelve. Should the cookie thief burn for billions and billions of years? No. He has sinned against God and he has turned his back and said, Jesus, I reject you. But should his sentence be according to his works? That would be judgment. That would be justice. Beloved, Hitler will have a greater sentence than the cookie thief. Is that right? Hitler will have a greater sentence than the cookie thief and it would be totally injustice. It would be total injustice for both the cookie thief and Hitler to have the same punishment. You both just burn forever. Total injustice. God says, no, you're going to be judged according to your what? To your works. So from that, we can conclude that some people will be burning quite a long time and others are going to burn up pretty quickly, relatively quickly. I don't know how quick quick is. I mean, if you put your finger in a fire and you have it there for one second, what does it feel like? It feels like eternity, doesn't it? And remember that point. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? Ezekiel 18.23. God says, listen, do you think that I enjoy the work of destroying souls who have said we don't want life? He says, I have no pleasure in that. So if God has no pleasure in it, why would he torture himself for eternity? Why would he say, oh man, whew, I hate this, but uh, got to do it. It doesn't make sense, beloved. He says, I have no pleasure in it. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Lamentations 3.33. He says, look, I'm not out here doing this willingly. When, you, when the wicked are destroyed, God is going to mete out as much justice as it takes to make the record right. And then that's it. Anything over that, beloved, is sadistic. And God is not sadistic. Amen? When is hellfire? In Revelation 20, the Bible says, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. This is speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, the resurrection of the righteous 
who live and reign with Christ for a thousand years after the second coming, or at the second coming. It goes on to say, but the rest of the dead, who would the rest of the dead be? The wicked. They don't come to life, and we're going to learn more about this tomorrow night. They do not come to life again until the end of the thousand years. This is the first resurrection. It goes on to say, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, Revelation 24, 5 and 6. It goes on to say, at the end of the 1,000 years, so let me do a little chart for you here. You've got Jesus coming, and the righteous are resurrected, but the wicked who are dead remain what? Dead for how long? 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000 years now, when the wicked come to life again, the Bible says, and by the way, why does God have to call the wicked to life? If they're already living, what's the purpose of calling them back to life? Do, Do you see that? If they are already alive, why does God, why didn't just go down to hell where they are and say, all right, guys, judgment time. No, he doesn't do that. He calls them back to life so that they can have their sentences read to them. And in in, in, uh, Revelation 20, it goes on to say, and the sea, this is at the end of 1,000 years, the sea gave up the what? Dead which were in it. And death and hell, and remember we saw that word hell simply means grave, or death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And then it says death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So then... The second death, which is being cast into the lake of fire, does not occur until after the 1,000 years. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, 13 to 15. And it tells us that this is the second death. So hellfire then, beloved, does not or is not burning now and will not burn until when? Until at the end of the... 1,000 years. That's why it says hell was cast into the lake of fire, which simply means if hell is cast into the lake of fire at the end of the 1,000 years, hell cannot be what? Burning now. It does not make sense to take a, a thing of burning fire and in order to punish the people in that burning thing, cast them into more fire. It doesn't add up, beloved. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, now this is speaking about at the end of the 1,000 years, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, then shall he say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye what? Cursed into everlasting fire. Now you're going, ah, your whole study's just gone. The Bible says they're going to be cast into what? Everlasting fire. Now you help me out. What does that mean? Who is the everlasting fire? It's God. This doesn't mean that they're going to be burning forever and ever. It's simply saying that the everlasting fire which comes from God is going to do the consuming work. Is that clear? Our God is a what? Consuming fire. It says, depart from ye cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 31 to 41. So hellfire again takes place at the end of this world's history. Bible says again, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the when." End of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of what? Fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now, let me ask something. How long is it going to be? Do you think wailing and gnashing of teeth will go on forever? Why can't it go on forever? What's going to happen to the teeth? What's going to happen to the teeth, everyone? They will eventually be burned up, so there will be no more gnashing of teeth, because the teeth are going to be what? Burned up. Does that make sense? So the wailing and gnashing of teeth, the weeping, the tears are going to be burned up. The eyes are going to be burned up. The body is going to be burned up. There cannot be wailing and gnashing of teeth for very long. Quiz time. Hellfire is burning now, A, or B, burns at the end of the world. B. Isn't that a relief, beloved? Isn't it a relief to know that there is no one in hell 
burning right now? Beloved, I remember thinking, I was, as a little child, I'd just lay, lay in my bed at night and just think, there are people in hell burning right now. And there's nothing we can do about it. And God is just, oh, Satan is down there burning them. And, there's nothing. and that thought terrified me as a child. As I grew older, I thought, well, everybody believes it, so that's just the way it must be. And preachers talk about it all the time, so that's just the way it must be. But beloved, this is why it is so important for us to study the word of God for ourselves. Where is the lake of fire? The Bible gives us the answer. And they went upon the breadth of the earth. This is after the 1,000 years. The wicked go upon the breadth of the earth and compass the camp of the saints about the beloved city. The city of what? Fire. And we'll learn tomorrow that at this point in time, the beloved city of fire is coming down out of heaven. Because the righteous have been taken to heaven to spend 1,000 years there. And at the end, they come back down to set up a kingdom on earth. And it says, and fire came down from God out of heaven and did what? Devoured them. Where is the lake of fire according to this verse? It's on the earth. That's where the wicked, they're waiting for the city to come down to try to take the city. Fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. So the lake of fire is not some distant place off in the universe where the wicked go. Oh, come on, it's time for your punishment. You know, they're in their chains and they're walking through the universe. going. No, beloved. Hellfire is going to take place right where? Here on earth. That's why it's not burning now. Upon the wicked shall he what? rain, snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Psalms 11.6. How long will the punishment last? The Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Revelation 21.1. If this is true, if the lake of fire takes place where? On earth. And then John, in the very next chapter, and first verse says, And now the earth, I saw the old earth passed away. Total ashes. Then doesn't that mean that hellfire cannot last forever? That the punishment cannot be forever? Because the very place is now gone. Why? Because God is about to create a what? A new heaven and a new earth. Do the wicked live on in the fire? Look at what the Bible says. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be what? Stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. The Bible says there will be how much left of them? Nothing. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In the day that I do, shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 4.1. What was Satan's original sentence? He was to become what? Ashes. Beloved, Satan's going to burn a way longer time than humanity. But he will eventually become Ashes, because the Bible says the wages of sin is not eternal torment, but death. The Bible says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the what? Heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the element shall what? Melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Second Peter 3.10. It goes on to say, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be what? Dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Second Peter three twelve. Beloved, if the air is going to melt when Jesus comes, that tells us what's going to happen to the wicked. Nothing left. <laughs> As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the what presence of God. Psalm sixty eight two. Why? Because God is an eternal fire. Why is eternal fire used? The Bible says, listen, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving, the, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of what? Eternal fire. Question, are Sodom and Gomorrah burning today? 
No. What did it mean, eternal fire? It simply meant the fire of God. Eternal fire. Our God is, an, is, is, a, is, an, is a consuming fire. What about the term unquenchable fire that's used in the Bible? The Bible says here, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and he will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire, what? Unquenchable. Luke 3.17. What does that mean? Does it mean the fire is never going to uh, stop burning the wicked? No, it simply means that no one will be able to what? Put it out. It's going to do its work and you will not be able to stop it. It's like having a house burned down and if you say we were unable to put the fire out, what does that mean? Does it mean the fire is still burning? What does it mean? It means nothing could stop the fire and it destroyed everything. That's what it means. Luke 3.17. Notice again, Psalm Solomon 8.7, many waters cannot quench what? Love. Now you're saying, well, what does that have to do? I mean, how is that love, beloved? Hold on. You're going to see this in this. Oh, boy. Uh, let me just move on. All right. What about the worms that, that the worm that dies not? The Bible says here, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. We've already seen the meaning of that. But it goes on to say, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Mark 9, 43 and 44. We've already seen that the fire not being quenched simply means no one can put it out. But people like to focus on on that. See, their worm dieth not. Well, what does the worm dieth not have anything to do with whether the wicked die? Do you see that? It doesn't say anything there about the wicked dying not. Does it say that? What does it say? It says the worm dieth not. Nothing there about the wicked living forever. And what's the worm going to be doing? Feeding on the, feeding on the body, feeding on the flesh. But however, we've got to see where this verse comes from so we can get the full context. Notice from the book of Isaiah, almost word for word, they shall go forth and look upon the what? Carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. And beloved, this text proved to us that the wicked are what? Are they alive or dead? They're carcasses of men that have transgressed against me. Their worms shall not die. And when Christ said the worms shall not die, he was simply saying, look, the whole body is going to be consumed. God is not going to create some super, uh, some super, a creature called a worm that is unquenchable by you know that can't even be burned. That is not in God's plan anywhere, beloved. It's not going to be some super worm that can last in the fire. Your body turns to ashes, but the worms. What do they feed on after your body turns to ashes? Christ was simply saying here, nothing is going to stop you from being totally turned to ashes. If the fire doesn't get you, you're going to be. But the fire is going to get the wicked. So he's simply saying, death is total and final in this. We are turned to ashes. What about everlasting punishment? Bible says here, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Well, I want you to notice Hebrews here, just to look what the text says. It says, of the doctrines of baptisms, and of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the, of the dead, and it also speaks of eternal what? Judgment. Now, does this mean that in heaven, judgment is going to be going on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever? It simply means what? The judgment or the decision was was final or eternal. Same thing with this. The wicked shall go away into... The punishment is everlasting. There's no return from it. It's not a one-week sentence and then you're out of jail. It's an everlasting punishment. You are gone for how long? Forever. You are ashes forever. You are nothing forever. What about the smoke of their torment? Because the Bible says, if any man worship the beast in his image, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his 
of his name. Revelation 14, 10 and 11. The Bible speaks here of their smoke ascending up forever and ever. Does it say here that their torment ascends up forever and ever? It says that the smoke of their torment. How many of you remember um, looking at the Twin Towers days and weeks after the towers had fallen? And what did you see still rising? Smoke. Now, beloved, those were two buildings. And the smoke was around for quite a long time. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when an entire planet is destroyed by fire? Yeah, the smoke is going to be rising for quite a long time. But again, let's see where this text comes from. Speaking of Edom, the Bible says in the Old Testament, And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone, and the land thereof shall become burning pitch. This is speaking about the actual land of Edom. And then it says this incredible thing. It shall not be quenched night nor what? day, the smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation, it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Isaiah 34, 9 and 10. And beloved, this is what it's telling us here, that what this means is that from generation to generation, it would lie what? Lie waste. You go to Edom, Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary on this particular verse, look at what they say. From the reports of the Arabs, southeast of the Dead Sea, where Edom would be located, within three days' journey are upwards of 30 ruined towns, absolutely what? Deserted. Are those towns on fire? No. Is the smoke of their torment ascending up? No, beloved. It's simply saying that the city is totally what? Ruined and desolated. So it is of the wicked. They are going to be totally destroyed. This earth is going to be totally ruined and desolated. What about the term forever? The Bible says, and the devil that deceived them that was cast or the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelation 20, 10. And now you say, now that's it. This has just shot your whole study together. Well, beloved, hold that thought. And we're going to look at the word forever in the Bible. And this is found in the book of Exodus chapter 21. And the same word here is used forever. Listen, when a, when a person wanted to serve his master, they served for a number of years. And if that person decided that they wanted to stay with their master, Exodus 21, 6 says this. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him. How long? Forever. Now here's a, a, a servant who was saying basically, Master, I want to live with you and I want to serve you forever. I don't want to go out there free. I've got a wife and kids here and I'm going to stay here. So I'm going to serve you forever. Question, how long did that forever mean? Till one or the other or both die. In other words, it did not mean throughout all eternity. It simply means as long as they were what? Alive or living. Have you ever said to your, to your son or daughter or husband, honey, I love you forever. You ever said that? You haven't said that? Uh-oh. <laughs> Man. You guys maybe ought to do some other kind of Bible studies. No, just for me. When we say things like that, I love you forever, what we're saying is that I love you as long as I live. The term forever, beloved, is a subjective term that is used in the Bible and in our language today. Notice Psalm 78, 69. And he built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth which he has established forever. Now, beloved, is the earth going to be destroyed? Totally gone? But notice the Bible says that God established the earth forever. What did it mean? That as long as the earth stood. That's what the term means forever. As long as the earth stands. Because we know that there's going to be a new heaven and a new what? A new earth. What about this one? This is the story of Jonah. Jonah was in the belly's whale for how long? Three days. Notice what the Bible says here. Jonah speaking. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom, bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me for 
ever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Jonah 2, 5, and 6. Jonah says, I was in the belly's well for how long? Forever. But beloved, he was there for three days. To him, it seemed like an eternity. Here's another. Hannah is the mother of Samuel. It says, but Hannah went, up, went not up, for she said to her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. That was Samuel the prophet. And when I bring him, and then I will bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, that was to serve him in his sanctuary, in, in his temple, and there abide for how long? Ever, according to 1 Samuel one twenty two. In other words, Samuel was to serve the Lord in the sanctuary as long as he lived. Very good. Forever is a subjective term. For the immortal, forever is as long as they what? Live. For the mortal, forever is as long as they what? Live. Is there a difference between those two forevers? Yes. Is Satan mortal or immortal? He's, now, he may have lived a very long time, but is he immortal? He's mortal because immortality only comes from who? God, and is only given as a gift. So the very fact that Satan is not immortal lets us know that he cannot burn throughout all eternity. Amen? The sentence of sin is death. Satan's daring wager. Okay, remember this from yesterday? Satan wanted to attack Jesus, who was the life. In him was life, according to John 1, 1 through 4. He upheld all things by the word of his power, according to Hebrews 1, 1, 2, 3, 1 to 3, and by him all things consist, Colossians 1, 17. This is who Satan wanted to attack, the one who all things consisted in, realizing, beloved, that if he attacked the very source of life, there was the risk that he himself would what? Would be destroyed, that all, uh, all creation would be totally just wiped out in an instant if he could destroy Jesus Christ. And beloved, he was willing to do this. Sin so deranged the mind of Satan that he thought he could at first exist without God. But we saw yesterday that Satan eventually realized or, or figured out that had he destroyed Jesus, all creation would have been wiped out. And so Satan decides to do a what? Suicide attack. He hated God so much, hated Jesus so much that he was willing to destroy him even if it meant the destruction of the whole entire creation. And we see that same philosophy in suicide bombers today. Remember what we read yesterday where the Bible says, if there be a false witness and he has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do unto him as he thought to do unto his brother. So shall you put the evil from among you, Deuteronomy 19, 16 to 20, which lets us know that Satan, his punishment must be what? Total Annihilation. Satan will be blotted out of existence. Therefore will I bring forth the fire from the midst of thee, speaking of Satan, it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and read these word, words with me, never shalt thou be any more. Ezekiel 28, 18 and 19. Now, bear with me. I am getting to the, to the climax. I'm at the climax now. All right? Are you bearing with me? I didn't hear any answers. I'm forcing you to answer me. I know that. So, All right. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered again and said, Except a man be born of what? Water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why did Jesus say this? John answered, saying unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose shoes are not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Question, why is it that we must be baptized with fire or the Spirit of God in order to enter into the kingdom of God? It's to prepare us to live in the what? City of fire. 
Excellent, beloved. This is why God says, I want you to be on fire. What does it mean to be on fire? He says, then said I, Jeremiah speaking, I will not make mention of him, speaking of God, nor speak anymore in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. Jeremiah 29. God wants our love to be so strong for him that we cannot be silent for Jesus. Remember Noah's story? Noah, as it was in the days of Noah, the Bible says, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Was every creature on planet Earth destroyed in Noah's flood? What were the only creatures that were not destroyed in Noah's flood? Nope, I'm talking about those out of the ark. Was everything destroyed? Who said that? Notice what Genesis 7.21 says. All flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died. What is the significance of that? How did God destroy the earth in Noah's day? Water. What animals didn't die? The sea creatures. Why? Because they were already what? Water creatures. Beloved, God says that I want to baptize you with fire. I want you to get on fire for me now. I don't want you to be this lukewarm Christian. I want you to start to burn now. By the way, the earth will not be destroyed by water this time. It's going to be destroyed by fire. And those who are not fire creatures are going to be what? Are going to be destroyed. Do you see why, beloved, God wants us to burn now? God wants us to get on fire now because those who are on fire now, those who have the fiery law of love written in their hearts now, when it comes time, beloved, do you realize that God said, I would like for you to sit in my throne? Now, how in the world are we going to sit in his throne when his throne is a throne of fire? You know chariots of fire and angels of fire are coming to get you? Did you know that? How in the world are you going to be like, just don't touch me, okay? Take me to heaven, but just don't touch me. No, beloved. God says we must get on fire now. God's strange act, beloved. God's strange act is this. When the wicked see the righteous, that the city of God coming down out of heaven, and they see the righteous standing on the sea of glass, they're going to ask the question in their minds, how is it that they are burning, but they're not being what? Consumed. And beloved, I believe that God with tears in his, in his eyes, is going to tell, show the wicked why they cannot enter where? The city of fire. And God is going to stretch out those great arms of fire and he's going to put them around the wicked one last time. And in that hug, beloved, the wicked will sense, oh, this is what heaven is about. Heaven is about love. And it's torturing me. If God were to allow me in heaven the way that I am, it would be eternal torture. With this realization, beloved, as God is showing the wicked why they cannot enter into heaven, because he doesn't want them to what? Burn forever. The wicked will say, yes, we would rather be ashes, and God in his mercy lets them become ashes. Why doesn't God let them in? Because he loves them too much I wanted you to come I wanted you to be prepared but you can't come in because beloved if you came into heaven you would be tortured eternally and the devil says oh no God tortures the wicked eternally my last slide do you think they'll be cursing throughout eternity 
You think somewhere off in the universe the wicked will be just cursing God as we're having our good time and you know the righteous are saved, but the wicked are off in a corner somewhere cursing God's name all throughout eternity? No, beloved, the Bible says that sin is going to come to an end. There will be no more tears and no more crying, which means that the wicked cannot be alive. Because if they're in hellfire burning forever, there will be eternal what? Tears and eternal crying. Beloved, how many of you see through this teaching, this teaching more than any other reveals to me the love of God. More than any other teaching. God does not destroy the wicked because he has pleasure in doing it, but he destroys them because he must. It's a painful decision that he makes. And he says, I want to show you why you can't enter the city of God. Because if you came in, it would be eternal torment. How many of you want to be on fire? Beloved, I want to be able to burn and to burn forever. 